This is the Ed Surge podcast for the week of March 30th to April 3rd. We bring you the EdTech leading news and opinion that you love from EdSurge, but on the go. Each week on this show, we bring you the top stories from EdSurge News. It's all geared towards educators, entrepreneurs, and investors, and all right on your favorite device. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Ed Surge Podcast. I'm Mary Jo Matta. And I'm Betsy Corcoran. Yes, ladies and gents, that is indeed Betsy Corcoran that you hear. The CEO of Ed Surge, the fearless leader, the woman behind it all will be co-hosting our podcast this week. Betsy, I am absolutely thrilled that you could join us today. I'm so happy that you let me come, Mary Jo, and, <laughs> and to be part of the inaugural broadcast from our brand new DIY Ed Surge Cardboard Box Studio. Where did you get this box exactly? It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I brought a grill last weekend and I guess it was pretty big. Well, considering how useful this is, all I can say is thank God for barbecue. I'm with you. All right, time to get on to the news. For a new generation of students growing up in a digitally connected century, all roads lead to code. There's no time like the summer for learning new skills, and in the EdSurge Summer Coding Guide, we've got tips galore from coding camps near you to advice on how to start an after-school coding club. Plus, we showcase over 50 tools that help students of all ages learn how to code. And while those students are learning how to code, Google has been learning how to kid-proof its latest device. Companies announced plans to sell a Chromebook for education that is built to be abused, according to one uh, director at Google. That means it's sort of supposed to be spill-proof. The other interesting element is the head-to-head competition between Google and Microsoft over pricing. They're driving prices down. It's going to be a good time to buy devices if you're a student. Now for you administrators, let's chat personalized learning. How can you create a student-centered environment in your school or district? Well, Nicole Hussa, blended learning specialist at Matchbook Learning, has strategies to help based on your tech infrastructure, classroom vision, and sustainability focus. And teachers, don't worry, we haven't forgotten about you. How can teachers personalize curriculum for students in a way that's scalable for larger classrooms? Paul France, an educator at Old School in San Francisco, offers up his suggestions on EdSearch this week, from unpacking standards to building a culture of agency and staff. You know, Mary Jo, I had a chance to talk with uh, Max Ventilla, who's the founder of Old School, this morning. And he made a really interesting point, which is his school isn't about technology. It's about giving kids real, genuine experiences, helping them meet mentors, getting out in the world, actually getting away from the screens. But what he is doing is he's trying to build what he called almost an operating system, a layer of technology that could be used elsewhere. Hmm. So very interesting to look at how they're taking a personalized learning curriculum and creating a layer that might be useful to schools every place else. Well, it sounds like for those of you schools that are interested in personalized learning, but less about just the tech involved, alt school might just be the school for you to check out. Could be. Now let's talk Kachings, who announced fundraising rounds this week. Open education resource platform Lumina Learning certainly did. 
The Portland, Oregon-based company has raised $2.5 million in a seed round led by the Oregon Angel Fund. All the way on the other side of the world, $50 million went to Beijing-based Jen Shui Shur in a Series A round led by Hill House Capital. The startup offers an online portal that it lets users search for local and online tutors. Anil Hamrajani, CEO and founder of Big Universe, spent four full years before his digital literacy platform turned a profit. And he's learned from his experiments with different business models, including these three tough lessons. Know your business domain and model, think revenue from day number one, and time your pricing and product change as well. And he shares it all this week on EdSurge.com. And speaking of lessons learned, let me mention three company names that may not sound that familiar anymore. Get It, Tot It, and Mama Zoo. All three of these companies have shut down. EdSurge took a look at that darker side of the EdTech startups to ask the following question. Well, why are EdTech companies folding? Is it a failure to differentiate from the competitors or find fast traction? MJ, you had a chance to talk with some of these folks. I did indeed. I actually sat down with both founders of Get It and Taught It, and the two things that you mentioned were both common culprits. Uh, the business model issue that Anil from Big Universe brought up also seemed to pop up, and that is a great introduction to our great debate segment. And yes, this week we're going to discuss the rise and fall of edtech startups. Fact, we are seeing more and more edtech incubators. A new one popped up in New York, and there's a rumor on the street. We're going to hear about another one this coming week at the Big Business ASU GSV Conference Summit in Arizona. And don't forget, there are the flops that you mentioned, Betsy. Get it, taught it, mama zoo. So what does this mean? Are we in a big edtech bubble? So... Every time companies fail, MJ, people like to ask the bubble question, mm. and it's a fair one, but let's look at what's really going on in this space. We're seeing a lot of financing come into this space, and more importantly, we're seeing schools continue to really express some really interesting needs. Number one, school models. One of the things that we heard when we were at South by Southwest is that there are a lot of different models of education that schools are starting to pursue, and many of these do need an element of technology to support how they personalize learning. Number two is we know that teachers are genuinely excited about using technology. There was a recent survey, I think we wrote about it, from TES Global that said that 96% of teachers are giving technology a pretty significant role in their classroom. 35% mm -hmm. still don't actually have enough connectivity, maybe even more than that in some cases. But the bottom line is, is that we are seeing teachers embrace technology. We're seeing them use it to think about how they want to achieve great learning outcomes with their kids and do fun stuff. And so the fact that we're starting to see some ed tech companies fail, candidly, it's just a part of that old circle of life. But I'm thinking of it less from the school district educator perspective. I'm looking at it as the entrepreneurs, and I'm curious, aren't we seeing a lot of wannabes? I mean, are we encouraging too many entrepreneurs to attack the same problems over and over and in a sense giving them a death sentence because not every teacher needs four different products to solve the same problem? Mary Jo, I'm not so worried about the entrepreneurs. 
Smart entrepreneurs will see an opportunity and jump into it. And when that opportunity starts to go away, they're going to go to something else. But what we are seeing is, again, we're seeing school districts come together and start testing EdTech products. That's going to make a big difference. We'll have some real data to say whether some of these products are helpful or not helpful. And what we really need are great choices for schools, great choices for parents, for students. And guess what? Yeah, it should probably take more than a weekend to come up with the idea for your ed tech company. No way. Really? Yeah, <laughs> totally. If you think that all of the great possible products for education have already been built, well, I might refer you to that perhaps apocryphal but very colorful story of the patent instructor about 100 years ago who thought everything that we ever needed had already been patented. There have been a lot of patents since then. I think we're still going to see a lot of education technology products. I think that we're going to see some very, very powerful ones, but they will take some sweat and tears. They'll take some hard work. They won't just come up over a weekend. All right, well, that's all the time we've got for today. Thanks to Nicole Hassa, Anil Hamarajani, and all of the other writers who contributed to EdSurge this week. And just a reminder, we're heading down to Los Angeles at the end of April for an EdTech Summit. We hope if you're a teacher or an educator or an administrator, you'll come and see us down there and see all the terrific companies that are going to be with us. And hey, if you're an entrepreneur, there's another summit you should know about. We're taking applications, just closing them now, for a summit in May in New Jersey with New Jersey Innovate. It'll be an administrator-only event, and we hope we'll see you there too. And that's going to be in Atlantic City, so for any of you who are interested in going to AC, you should apply. And as a last note, thanks to all of you for listening and for reading Ed Surge. We really appreciate it. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Hey, Mary Jo, we forgot to mention our amazing April Fool's jokes this year. Oh, how did I forget that? That's right. If you haven't had a chance to check out some of our April Fool's jokes, please do. And if you've got better jokes for next year, send them around. We really like to hear from you. Thank you so much. That's it for today. I'm Betsy Corcoran. And I'm Mary Jomana, and we will see you all next week. This is the Ed Surge Podcast.